welcome to Perspectives, which is a series of inspiring conversations with remarkable working women. And I am so excited to be starting off 2023 with my friend, Renee Hill-Young, co-founder of Quigley. Renee, welcome. Hi, Katie. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. 2023 already. My gosh. Here's to a good year this year, huh? Yes, exactly. Well, I thought you would be the perfect guest to start off this new year because you are such an inspiration. And for those that don't know Quigley, it is actually the largest female-owned ad agency in the country, certified, WBNC certified, so you know it's for real. But can you start a little bit before we talk about Quigley, about sharing your career path and, and how you got even to founding Quigley? Yes. Well, first, thank you for having me and thank you for your your nice comments. Um, So Quigley is officially 20 years old in 2022. So we started the agency um, 20 years ago. Um, My career was originally, um, I started as a music publicist and I worked in a variety of music genres from jazz to new age to um, rock and heavy metal. And then, and a little bit even in country. And then um, I had been living in Tennessee at that time and I moved back to Los Angeles and I had a very, um, uh, I I had a a crossroads to make. I had a a job offer in continuing my career in music PR. And I had this very interesting opportunity that came up in direct response um, marketing company. And I thought long and hard about it. And I decided that um, it was a, a good time to make a, a different type of career change. So I I originally got into direct response marketing and um, migrated over. Actually, I was recruited by the advertising agency that we worked with at that direct marketing company. And that led me to my current life, which has been really rooted in performance-based marketing now for oh, about 20 well, 27 or so years. So tell us about Quigley, 20 years now in 2022. That's quite an accomplishment, especially for an independent firm that stayed independent. Yeah, it's 20 years. It it went by so fast. Um, Actually, um, it was really just a leap of faith. My, My partner and two other founders, we had been working together at another advertising agency in the mid 90s. And um, we thought after a series of acquisitions um, of our company, we decided that heck, we could we could try this on our own. And so we uh, had two clients at the time, Hoover Vacuums and Visa Marketing, and we had two other employees, and there were six of us total. And we started Quigley with really, like I said, it was a a giant a leap of faith. And here we are, you know, 20 years later, and I'm really honestly still astounded at um, the clients that we're fortunate enough to have on our roster. I mean, it's really, it's really been an incredible journey for us. Can you tell us names of a few of your clients? So um, our roster, we're just fortunate to include companies like Procter & Gamble, JPMorgan Chase, um, a variety of nonprofits and companies in healthcare, companies in entertainment. So it's been um, it's it's been quite an incredible journey. 
And with so many of those clients like Procter & Gamble and Chase, I know you have such a longevity with many of your clients. Is there a key, do you think, to having long-term partnerships in business in this day and age? I think part of our success in having our clients for as long as we have, it, it's really been um, it, it's been a, a sweet spot of ours, but I think that it's quite authentic. And I think that Really, at the end of the day, clients hire who they like and who they want to work with. And I think that, you know, um, you really have to be a true partner and really a true friend to the client. And you really have to, you you really have to just go to the mat for them and and be as flexible and really pivot and change as their business changes and just stay ahead of every single thing. And I think that, you know, there's there's great responsibility in stewarding these types of businesses. But I think that the 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 longevity comes with them ultimately having a trust that you always put their business first and that you will do whatever it takes to make them successful and continue to just push their business agendas and forward. And that goes for any kind of business, not just the not just advertising business, but any kind of long term, you know, business partnership. So I also think one of the reasons that um, you're you have such a magnetic and fascinating life, you have such a magnetic personality and fascinating life, and I'm sure clients are, are drawn to that. And you know, here you are, you have this huge business, and that's sort of one side of you, but. Most people don't even know this about you. You have a whole other side. You you resuscitated this avocado farm. You have this working avocado farm. You're passionate about animals. I know the last count was 19. I bet you you're going to tell me that there's more. But can you talk a little bit about this almost other life and then how you integrate everything together? Well, yeah, my count has gone up. Um, I currently have 23 animals on this farm. Um, and uh, to be honest with you, yes, you're right. A lot of people, until they really get to know me, don't know that I have this very much of a dual existence. So they often see me, you know, if I'm in the New York office and, you know, it's the only time I really ever get a chance to wear anything black or dark that's not, you know, around animals. Um, but I do have a, a dual existence and I have for many, many, many years. Um, it's grown over the years, but originally I've always been a horse person now for probably about 30 years. So I've always ridden and competed horses, but, um, about eight years ago, um, my husband and I did purchase a somewhat rundown avocado horse farm and we painstakingly put it back together and, and built upon that. Um, and that is where we and our 23 four-legged uh, family members all reside. So I do have this very strange dynamic of being on a conference call for work and then running to tend to one of the animals, which consists of horses, donkeys, pigs, miniature cows, dogs, and cats. <laughs> so I have to count them sometimes on my hands to make sure. So I do live a very uh, dual existence, um, but I wouldn't really have it any other way. So you mentioned, um, you very briefly mentioned country music. And I wanted to talk about something that really I know uh, helped shape your life. And I've heard you talk about it before. 
you had a very terrifying experience in 2017 with a lot of other people. And it led to some big changes in the way that you lead your life. Could you share that with us, please? Yes, absolutely. So I am a lover of country music. I think that probably comes with my uh, ranch life um, and have been for my whole life. And coupled with that, one of my very long-term clients, a woman named Sally, who was one of our P&G clients for many, many years, she's since retired. We, we bonded over country music. And over the years, we went to many, many country music concerts all over the country. And um, in 2017, it was not like the three years previously where she and I had attended the Route 91 Harvest Festival in Las Vegas, which as most of you all know, that that is still the largest mass shooting in the United States history. We had been there for three days in Las Vegas. And this actually was always free, a, a marketing and advertising conference that historically had always started that Monday after the Harvest Festival. So we tried to combine a little fun the weekend before with which would be a fairly uh, busy work week, which followed that. And it was the Sunday night. It was the last night of the festival. And, you know, as most of you know, Jason Aldean took the stage and um, not very long, less than 10 minutes and just a few songs in, you know, there was um, sounds of gunshots. And fortunately, I think Sally and I, because we both grew up with rural families, recognized um, that they were gunshots right away. And we proceeded um, to try to make our way out of that festival, which was terrifying. I think that it there's a moment that it hits you and I am guilty of, you know, hearing of mass shootings on the news time and time again. Um, but there is a moment where reality hits you and you realize that you're the one now being shot at. And by the grace of God, really, we got out of there with um, a rainstorm of bullets flying everywhere and having to hide at um, various moments. And it was a coincidence of really a couple of fantastic people and um, really just luck that enabled us to escape and uninjured physically. Um, but unfortunately, you know, many, many people lost their lives and, and many more were injured. So it did, um, I think it, it also, for me in particular, you know, she is my friend, but at the time she was also my client. And I think there's a overwhelming responsibility that, oh my gosh, you've got to get through this. And, you know, fortunately we did. And um, I'm thankful today. I mean, we'll be forever friends. And um, I think these kind of things leave you forever changed, really. It's so horrible and terrifying. And we could branch off into a conversation about gun control in this country, but we won't. But what I would love to talk about is, so how do you have an experience like this that's just so terrifying and just go back to your life? Or I guess a better way to say it is, how has this impacted your life? Well, I think it's in, 
it's impacted my life greatly. And I think that at the time, honestly, I, I just wanted to get her on a flight back to Ohio. And I wanted to get back home to my farm because it's where I feel safest. And I think there's a period of time where you think you can get through those things by yourself and you can kind of just, you know, deal with it. And that's just really not the case. But I I have found, um, and and I did do many months of post-therapy and I, I found just honestly talking about it was the most helpful. But I think that these kinds of things that are really life-altering, life-changing events, they forever change the way that you conduct your life, you conduct business, the kinds of things that are important to you prior just don't mean as much in post. You know, I know for me, I was very much the kind of person, and I think this comes with frankly, anybody that's an entrepreneur and starting a business and having a business at that point, remember, I've had a business for the better part of, you know, 15 plus years. And I think that it's very easy to fall into the want to control everything, want to check everything, want to, you know, everything is, you know, goes to critical because you're, you know, you're trying to do everything, you know, perfectly with no mistakes. And you spend a lot of time and energy you know, they say don't sweat the small stuff, but when you're an entrepreneur or you have a, a, a smaller or medium-sized independent business, you sweat everything. That's just the way that it is. And I think that in some of that, you lose your connectivity, sometimes your empathy, um, patience for sure. And I think that when something like this happens and you realize how quickly all of that could be for naught, um, including yourself, you just have a different perspective about how you are, well, for sure in life. And also it it translated very much into my business too. So I think I listened more. I think I was much more empathetic towards, you know, what was going on in people's lives. I think that the kinds of hiring decisions we made were probably a little bit different because I really wanted to I really didn't, I didn't have the patience or the tolerance anymore to surround myself with, you know, either people or things that weren't important to me. And so I really, that sort of carried out into all areas of at least my life. As a leader, and you've talked about just now, some of the ways that, that you've changed. I know you've, you've told me before that it really impacted your leadership style and I'm wondering if you could share with us some leadership tips or lessons or things to think about now at the beginning of the year for people that are leaders. I remember, you know, it's still it's still really visual in my mind. And I think probably now things are quite different now in post-COVID. But let's just talk about it in terms of, um, you know, an example. Because it it works this way on video or phone. And I think that every executive, you know, you have such a busy day and you're running in 20 million different directions and conference calls and meetings and all kinds of things. And then there's always the unexpected that comes up, right? That takes a big bite of your day that you had absolutely no intention of dealing with, but that's inevitable. And I always remember, like, it was always the end of the day. And I'd have this, like, they'd start at the at my door, you know? So let's think of a visual door maybe now, but, you know, a virtual door right now. But you, 
you just sort of want to like, you're like, oh gosh. And then you, you know, you get through it and, you know, maybe you're not all there or all present. And I think what it, this did for me, and I think some of the best advice I can give is that you don't get time back, particularly with people, you know, and I think words in leadership have such a, they're multiplied, right? So, so what I say to someone who's, um, you know, working for the company is I don't, often realize that what I say is sometimes times three or times five or times 10 to them. And I think sometimes we have to just stop ourselves and realize that that time we have with people, especially people that are coming up in the industry, coming up in your company, those people that you really want to, you know, invest the time and effort in. It's just incredibly important that we pause as executives and take a breath and realize how important and how impactful just listening, talking, and mentoring, and and really, you know, getting to know um, what they're facing, their challenges, and what they're, you know, what they're coming to you for, and not just trying to, you know, okay, okay, next, <laughs> and getting to the mm-hmm. next one, but that each one is so meaningful. And so I think that just that pause is really is is really important and it, it's something that was really hard for me to do for a long time that's great advice sort of to build on that in another way one of the things that has always been very integral to your firm was DEI and diversity equity inclusion across the board so we've all seen in the last couple of years companies scrambling to do it and some of them in a more genuine way than others. But how have you and and Gerald, who you know is your co-founder, how have you been so successful at it? Quigley has been extremely successful and very unintentionally on all aspects of diversity. And I really think that it it started at our core when we opened the agency doors. And I think we didn't go out searching for it. We didn't go out planning for it. I think that we, um, and I agree, there are companies right now that are scrambling right now because they're seeing it. We have always felt that the more voices, experience, cultural experiences that our folks bring to the table translates into more success for our clients. It's just the bottom line for us. And if we think about it, we think about the customers of our clients walking down, you know, the supermarket aisle and our employees and our team represents those customers. And I, I we've just always felt that all voices are important and that the more we embrace that and talk about it, that diversity just happens organically. And I know that that can be a controversial conversation, but for us, it's just it's just really been our truth. And I think a lot of it comes from just hoping, having a very welcoming culture, having really open, sometimes hard conversations, but just really um, from everything from how HR processes, recruits, you know, how our managers hire. I mean, really having 
conversations about, you know, unconscious bias and, and really welcoming every single voice. And I think it's, if for us, it's been so consistent. I mean, if you look back, um, something we've always prided ourselves on is our diversity. And, you know, we've had women in, you know, executive leadership for since the inception of the company from a diversified standpoint, standpoint, I mean, close to 50% of our staff identifies as, you know, diverse. And that to us has been the same in year one, year five, year 10, you know, 15, and now 20. And it's just, we just feel like having that melting pot at the company has just been, um, it's just who we are. It's just, it's really who we are. And it kind of begets more because people see it's a, a welcoming place, you know, and that just sort of is reflected then to more people who want to come and they see people who look like them or who are like them and who are not like them also, because, you know, it's not a homogenous place. And I think that's what makes it so appealing to different people that I've, that I've spoken with. So you've given us so much good advice. I hate to stop, but before we end, I would love to add to the advice you've already given and just ask, is there one piece of advice that has really helped you through your life and your career that you could please share with us? Well, I think, you know, listen, my career, I was taught from a very young age, you know, work hard, work ethics, everything. I mean, that this is how I was raised. So I I didn't know anything else. I spent many, many, many years and that was my entire focus. It's funny though, I, I find myself so many times talking to the younger um, team members and I I find these words coming out of my mouth that say, you know, you can't get time back, you know, because I was one of those that, you know, worked a lot, canceled vacations, didn't do some things and all those kinds of things. And I, I see, um, I like to call them the up and comers, right. But the, those like, you know, those shining stars that you see in a company or within your staff. And I always say, you're not going to get today back and you, you know, you're not going to have another yesterday. So I think that there really is a lot to um, finding things that you love and balance and, you know, and, and balance with what you're doing and work. And, and I mean, my gosh, we know as women that that is, you know, we, we run from sun up to the end of the night. So we're all in the same boat with respect to that. And, and that's difficult, but sometimes that even just means, you know, you got to take five minutes or 15 minutes and you got to really do a reset and do something that, you know, that brings you joy and, and that you love. But I, I would also just say that to me, and especially, you know, coming off the heels of Las Vegas, I, I have really stood by that. We, we're going to get one shot at this life. That's it. You know, like that's it. We're here and we, we need to do everything we can to bring the most impact we can and, you know, leave a print on, on our, on our time here. But I would also say, you know, and I say this a lot because I'm a horse person, you got to also just, in, you know, you got to dust yourself off sometimes when you fall, but you got to also enjoy the ride, right? So that's what I would say. That is a lot of good advice going into the new year. Renee, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to talk with you. Oh, you too, Katie. And happy new year again. Happy new year to you as well and to everyone listening. Mm-hmm.